Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. Well, this is a great day that God has made, and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Boom Crew, I want, to, I want you to know that we are in an interesting time in this world, and God brought us here for such a time as this. But what's going on in Israel is, is really, it's probably got a lot of questions in your mind as you're up and going even this morning. You know, when is the end going to come? Is this signs of the times that the end is near? Nearer for sure. And a, a couple of high-level overviews that I want to give you here, and then we're going to uh, give you a link this morning that is going to blow your mind, and I'm not overstating it. I am so thankful to my bride. She told me, Bub, you've got to get up and listen to something early this morning before you go on air, and boy, was she right. Boy, was she right. Let me back up here and tell you this. Look, we are called Psalm 122, verse 6. Check that out, would you? Pray for the peace of Israel. I think we're commanded by David. Psalm 122, 6 is One, correct. Okay, read that. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. Yeah, so we're praying for the peace of Israel. But here's one thing that we've got to understand. There will not ultimately be peace in Israel until the Prince of Peace comes back to make everything right. If you look at the book of Daniel, you look at Ezekiel, you look at Revelation, they combine together with this mosaic that gives us clarity that only the Prince of Peace himself will bring lasting peace. There will be many stabs at peace. If you look at the book of Daniel chapter 9, you see a prophecy of it's the whole section in Daniel 9 is talking about the 70 weeks, but there's this seven-year period that is mentioned in Daniel 9 where this obscure leader out of a reconstructed Roman Empire is going to crop his head. He's a little horn, meaning he doesn't come from a particularly rich, maybe even country of the reconstituted Roman Empire. But boy, is he sexy. <laughs> he's really, he's handsome. He's, he's got, he's a wordsmith. He's persuasive. He is, he can pull the wool over all the nation's eyes. Now you might want to ask the question, how does one guy do this? And here's the answer. And boy, are we seeing it now? Everybody wants peace. Even those radicals that are somehow staring atrocities in the face and trying to <laughs> trying to rationalize it away. Hard to stomach, isn't it, when you see this stuff? I'm talking politicians, university movements. Thank God university presidents like at Penn State and other places are getting pressured hard by big donors who are saying we're cutting off the money if you keep up this silence and or rhetoric because it's absurd. The, to try to rationalize what happened, and I've seen more videos over the weekend that are just, I cried. I could not believe it. I'm, I'm actually thrilled that these aren't being censored. They're horrible. They're vile beyond belief. It's hard to believe that people can do this until you understand that we're all born with our backs to God and with a full hardening of heart. It's no telling what humankind can do. Right. I eat World War II. I eat Pol Pot. I mean, the list goes on and on. So the cry, though, is, oh, God, give us peace. You don't even have to be born again. You got politicians all over the globe. Some are self-proclaimed atheists who want peace in Israel. Mm -hmm. And yet here it is, this tiny little country, Israel, is the epicenter of this global cry for peace. <laughs> Isn't this amazing? Yeah, we is, live yeah. in phenomenal times. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so the question comes, are we going to have it? Here's the truth. Whether it's Abraham Accords with had a had a pretty good start under Trump. That was a big deal. And I guess Jared, what's his uh, what's his last Kushner. name? Kushner. Jared Kushner helped kind of facilitate that. And it didn't hit the news a lot, but that was a big deal. That was a big deal. So there's going to be these little uh, runs at peace, mm -hmm. if you will. But none of them last. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. 
They don't last. Yeah. We just keep coming back at it. Thousands of years go by and it doesn't last. Now, there's going to be this little horn, this obscure leader from one of the reconstituted uh, empire states surrounding Israel in that whole region. And he's going to come up and he's going to be persuasive and he's going to be handsome and he's going to be a wordsmith. And when he speaks, people listen because he's going to get everyone, including Israel, to go, okay, let's go. And it is going to be amazing for a little while. And then this man, controlled by Satan himself, is going to turn tail and run from peace and try to take over Israel. There's going to be desecration of the temple. There's going to be abominations like you can't imagine. And it really doesn't matter where you lay on this one. A lot of people say they're pre-trib, where Christians will already have been raptured out by the time this week, as we find in Daniel 9, occurs. Some say "Mm, mid-trib, right before. It's really three and a half years of pretty good peace, and then whammo. Uh, Not for Christians, not for those that claim the name of Jesus. But this thing's going to pivot quickly. But no matter where you stand on your eschatology, study the end times and when Christians will be taken from this earth to our eternal home with God, which is going to be amazing, guys. The reality is this. Israel is always going to be a country in conflict. Do we pray for the peace of Israel? Yes. But what is God's greatest aim? That the Prince of Peace would take over hearts. It's his greatest aim. God's greatest aim is not global geopolitical peace. Because God knows, and that's why he sent his son, to die for the sins of the world. Because most of these stabs at peace are ill-fated. There's other things that are listed in uh, Revelation, Ezekiel, You might have heard the Battle of Gog and Magog. Well, we don't know exactly what that is, but we know that in ancient times, if you map it out, it's Russia, Turkey, I believe Syria. And there will be a coalition that will be a great war before the end of all wars. Gog and Magog will happen. And there are so many questions that arise today when we see what's happening in Israel. Sure. So many. Here we go. I mean, I mean, here's Jesus spoke in the epicenter of this. The Prince of Peace came to this world for such a time as this. And we want peace, but only the Prince of Peace transforming hearts will really bring lasting peace. And then one day the Prince of Peace will come and he will make everything right. There will be a thousand year millennial reign. I'm convinced of it. And then Satan will be unleashed to give it one last hurrah and he will be taken down. And then we go into an eternity either with our God or separated from him for eternity. That is a very rough sketch of end times. And Boom Crew, I need to tell you something right now. I am so grateful to my bride that she hit me yesterday twice and this morning once. Bub, when you go in, please listen to this incredible audio piece. It's 54 minutes long. That is the, and I will say it now, it's the best eschatological overview of end times answering poignant questions I've personally ever heard. As far as an overview goes, awesome. Charlie Dyer, Joel Rosenberg, many other experts. John Geiger has done an amazing job putting together this 54-minute piece. It was done before this even arose here in the last few days, mm-hmm. but it is very current and it is awesome, Allie. I am so pumped that we give to get to give this to the Boom Crew today. I'm asking you as a brother in Jesus, look at the links that are there to give help and support and 
Listen to the 54 minutes. Yeah, there's a lot on this page. There are ministries uh, that you can give to. There are, are links from Today in the Word from Moody Publishers. So if you have questions, this is going to be a great resource for you. But embedded there right in the middle of the website the website is this Unfolding Prophecy Moody Radio special program. It's about one, 54 minutes long. So do take a listen. Text the word Israel and you're going to get this page. You're going to spend some time here. I know you will. Text Israel to 312-274-9624. Just text the word Israel to 312-274-9624. Yeah, it's amazing. I can't endorse it enough. Did I hit it hard enough? I think so. Okay. I think so. Get this link. Here's what I'm going to here's what I'm going to I'm going to bet you my bottom buck. You might not have had some of the questions that are answered in this audio program in your mind, but after you start listening you're going that's a question I should have had in my mind because it's so thrilling. Yeah. You want to be encouraged about what God is up to in these times. You want to understand clearly why Israel is the epicenter of the world's focus year after year after year. Why does a little teeny country get so demonized and called colonialists? When they had a little chunk of dry desert land that they turned into something lush and really profitable. But why? It's because there is a spiritual component here that can't be ignored. Get this link. And I'm asking you, please, if you've never linked here before and you want the best, in my estimation, the best 54-minute high-fly overview of end times and what's going on today, you're going to dig it. Charlie Dyer, Joel Rosenberg, who lives in Israel, by the way, who's a tremendous man of God, great novel writer, by the way, but a tremendous man of God. Get this link. Text Israel to 312-274-9624. 312-274-9624. Need a wake-up call? We can help with that. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. All right, guys, a lot going on here today. Going to spike it again. If you want to get a great overview, I mean, here's the problem. Sometimes we look at what's going on with the despicable. I, I, I don't even have the words. The loathsome acts of Hamas. Even, you know what they're doing now? We have, this is verifiable. They are bombing exit routes to keep innocent civilians in the target areas. So Israel has been for five days saying, get out of these areas. They've been doing everything possible to clear the area of innocence. Yesterday, we have video footage of the Hamas with an IED blowing up an exit roadway, blowing body parts to smithereens, trying to blame it on Israel, and keeping their human shields in place. It's, this is sick. I mean, if you're not sickened by this, take your pulse, because this is sick. But here's the problem. When we look at this one little incident with one little speck and don't back up and look at the, over, when you back up and look at the overview, you go, oh, this is what's going on here. This is what's going on here. So what we do, what John Geiger has done with this audio piece is a tremendous high-level view of eschatology, what's happening in the end times. Why is this little teeny, teeny country such the focal point of the entire globe? It's all spiritual, guys. And the Prince of Peace will come one day and bring peace to this world. But until then, we're going to have all of these kind of Attempts to have peace, they'll last for a little while, then they'll fall apart until the Prince of Peace comes. So we pray for peace in Israel. No doubt we're called to Psalm 122, verse 6. But we pray, Lord, Prince of Peace, come and change hearts. And he's doing that. We're finding that today. Did you know that one-fifth of Israel is Palestinians? Mm -hmm. One-fifth of Israel. Yeah. Do you know how much they want this war? Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. You know why? They love living in peace, having a home, having electricity. They love it. 
You want an overview of something amazing? Check this out. Just text the word Israel to 312-274-9624. Text Israel to 312-274-9624. You might say, Carl, you're slam dunking this link a lot today. You better believe it. I just got done listening to all 54 minutes this morning. And by the time I was done, I'm like, we've got to get this out to the boom cruise. So grab it, guys. And as Ali said earlier, there's great links to phenomenal ministries where you can give support today to help with this uh, rescue effort of hostages and the pain and the grieving of so many and minister the gospel to them at the same time. Text word Israel to 312-274-9624. Giving hope directly from the source. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. So why do peace efforts begin and then fail? Why? Think about that in our own lives. We have peace efforts with people. They begin and then they fail. Why does that happen? I mean, one side fails to keep up their end of the bargain. That's that's one for sure. I think that's maybe the biggest one. And relationally speaking. Yeah. Yeah, not keeping up the end of the bargain. You know, I think the interesting thing about peace is – Peace almost requires that you've made peace with yourself on the issue so that you can, so that it becomes real. Yeah. Have you ever made peace with something, but deep down inside you really hadn't? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like a very, very fragile peace. That's a fragile peace for sure. And um, man, I got to tell you guys, it is, um, it is an interesting time that we live in here. You know, today I'm hoping that we're going to get to some content that's going to answer the question, what are one of the greatest challenges that we face today? And that is deception. Personal deception is one of the greatest enemies, really, for the Prince of Peace to take over our life and take control. We talk about this a lot around here, but I really want to try to get to it and mine it sometime today. Maybe at the top of the 7 o'clock hour we'll hit this a little bit. But obviously, one of the great deceptions that we have today that keeps us from peace is this illusion of salvation. We talk about it a lot around here, and here's why. I think it's one of the prevailing challenges that we have in America is the notion that uh, we believe that we're saved when really we are not. And so we wonder sometimes, why is this abundant life? Why is this joy unspeakable? Why is this... Uh, this, uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Why does it seem elusive for me? And, you know, those are honest questions, man. Those are, those are great questions. So we're going to be tackling that all week long, tackling challenges and solutions, what I believe to be three of the biggest challenges in the American church. We're going to tackle hopefully one of those at the seven. I promise. How about this for a deal? We'll get them in this week. <laughs> we'll try. We'll try. We'll try to get them in this week. Got a lot of stuff that we're covering today. Coming up here in a little bit, talk about a little bit of whiplash here. You know, this is interesting because doesn't life go on? And we're, we're going to have to learn how to live in both worlds where it's like the NFL is going on. By the way, the Bears had a heartbreaking loss yesterday. Yeah. And the world is in turmoil at the same time. Yeah. Your son's going to play fall league baseball or football or whatever he's doing. Yeah. And the world's in turmoil. Absolutely. Lunches have to be made. The world's in turmoil. Man, what a tension to live in. But we're going to do that today. Coming up, we got a special feature for you that is unique. Very unique, and we love to feature it here. We'll tell you more about it coming up. Need a wake-up call? We can help with that. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. What if I told you you could share the gospel just by dancing a little bit? Not a word spoken. Huh. Just dance a little bit, and the gospel's going out. What do you think, Allie? I think I'm intrigued. <laughs> do a little dance. No, that, that's yeah, not Yeah, we're not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> even, even Carl has its limits, his limits. <laughs> like, nah, that doesn't work there at all. Sorry. <laughs> we'll skip that middle portion go, yeah, forget it. We'll just move on. All right, so coming up here, dance gospel style. You're going to love it, guys. Got to go into work? Don't worry. Check out the Carl and Crew Showcast wherever you like to stream. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. 
Well, one of the things that we love to celebrate around here is the arts. Yes, the arts. And you might say, well, why celebrate them? Because they are central. If you look through the history of the church, the arts have been celebrated in a powerful way. I know they get co-opted by a lot of craziness out there, but we're reclaiming that ground in a big way. Right now, Juliana Rubio Slager is with me. Juliana, you're the artistic director, co-founder, and resident choreographer of Ballet 5-8. What in the world is Ballet 5-8? Ballet 5-8 is a professional ballet company, and we founded the company based on the vision of Romans 5-8, which says that God demonstrates his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we use ballet as a way to build bridges into the community and to share the love of God. How is a faith-based ballet company different than, oh goodness, any of the big ones that are out there? Yeah, I think it's really special because all of the artists are Christians. And so when we're creating, we're always creating work that brings you back to central themes of love and redemption and hope. And so we use a lot of different source material that points people to God. And we try to help people grapple with some of the difficult questions like, where is God when things are hard and when times are painful? So we're able to share the gospel through these dialogues that we have from the stage to the audience. Okay, so when you're sharing the gospel, what's that look like in dance? I mean, I'm sitting here thinking... It's hard enough for people to share the gospel verbally, let alone dancing. How in the world do we do that? I think it's really a partnership with the Holy Spirit where we create something that makes you feel deeply. The ballet we're doing right now called Bareface grapples with what do we do when God does the unexpected and we feel like he's abandoned us. And so we allow people to kind of sit in the theater and absorb those emotions from the dancers. And then as the Holy Spirit works in them, we've seen a lot of people discover new truth about God's love, his hope, his beauty. And then at the end of the show, we have a talk back where the dancers are able to speak with the audience and they can ask questions about the content of the show. How has that gone? Honestly, it's been such a wonderful part of every performance. We get some really deep conversations going and we hear from people that are both believers and not about how God is impacting their lives through the productions we put on stage. Okay, what is Bareface? What's that a portrayal of? Bareface was inspired by C.S. Lewis' book, Till We Have Faces, and it's a take on the myth of Cupid and Psyche, but Lewis wrote it from the perspective of his life before he became a Christian when he was still an atheist. So it follows kind of this arc, and the main character doesn't believe that God is good. And so throughout the story, she's blaming God for everything that goes wrong in her life. And so it's really her case against the gods. And by the end, she's kind of railing against God for everything that he's ever done to her. And then she realizes that it wasn't God that was putting her into all these situations, but that she actually played a huge role in all of the tragedy in her life. So it's very relatable. It's very deep. It's very theologically underpinned by a lot of things that you will see, like in the story of Job and other places in scripture. Love it. Love it. Okay. Now this is big news because you've had some really high level performances at some great studios, but God's doing something really cool here. Bareface is going to have three performances, October 18th, 20th, and 21st. Tell us about those and where they're located. So we're going to be performing at the Athenam Center for Thought and Culture. Um, It's in the Lakeview neighborhood. And October 18th, the show is at 730. October 20th, also at 730. And then October 21st, we have a matinee at 2 p.m. Each one of the shows is going to be fantastic. Our artists come from all around the world, um, and they're incredible storytellers and dancers. So if you've never seen a ballet, this is your first chance to try it out. And if you love dance, you will certainly be in enjoying this experience. I love it. I love it. All right, Boom Crew, here's what we want you to know. Get a link to this. This is something to check out. It's worth the drive, even if you're a good distance away. Text the word DANCE right now to go see Bareface. Give them some support, guys. Come on, getting behind this, a bunch of Christ followers that are out there through dance, giving a compelling message of the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. Text the word DANCE to 312-274-9624. Dance to 312-274-9624. 
Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. All right, coming up, we're going to slam dunk why you've got to get this link for Israel. It's epic, but a little bunny trail right now. Ha! Had a question from someone, said, does Carl... But does Carl's wife really call him Bub? First off, why would I kid about something like that? I don't know if that's the greatest nickname. I actually love Bub. It's a great nickname. Bub. Yeah. She calls me Bub, I call her Babe. I almost never, unless I think maybe Babe is like washing over her and she can't quite hear it. And then I might go with a, no, I don't say Janan even then. Okay. I just call her babe. I don't think Jubes? you guys have ever referred to Jubes. each other. Yeah. I call Jubes? her Jubes. Yeah. That's more I've of heard a... you call her Jubes. Yeah, I call her Jubes. Isn't that funny? I don't use names. Well, you don't use names here either. Well... That's true. Young Thunder. Yeah. <laughs> Case in point. Allie, I think, being the only one. Yeah, well... I kind of insisted yeah, on it. Yeah, she <laughs> didn't give me a choice. <laughs> Allie can be strong when she well, needs to I be. Well, I said Allie is a built-in nickname because it's it not is. my given name. Yeah, you're right. It is a built-in nickname. Yes. Speaking of nicknames, you mentioned that Henry calls you a couple things that I find to be precious. Uh, Boothang or Young Tender. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> what a good man. I am so thrilled. Boothang or Young Tender. Yeah, it sounds really funny you saying it. <laughs> it doesn't roll Well, no, no. I mean, well, that's why I'm saying it matter-of-factly. <laughs> Last thing I'm going to do around here is, what do you got, Boothang? That would be weird. (laughs) Young Tender. We got Young Thunder. We got enough young around here. Young Thunder, what do you call your bride? Uh, I'd say honey. Honey? Honey. Honey? Yeah. Okay. What's she call you? Honey. We say honey to each other. Just honeys. Couple of Sweet Thang. I call her Sweet Thang. Do you? That's funny. Yeah. There you go. Huh. (laughs) So... And where do we go from No, here's where we're going to go. I don't think anywhere. <laughs> what does your, what, if you are married, what does your spouse call you? Now, don't get weird if you're not doing well right now, okay? <laughs> don't get weird in general. What term of endearment? <laughs> don't get weird in general. <laughs> what term of endearment does your spouse That's call right. you? That's right. Thank you, Allie, for scoring that one. Yep. 312-274-9624. Let's get texts on this one. Then we can yeah, get as we many calling as, in. as possible. Term of endearment. Let's see what's popular out there. Honey, yeah. babe, baby, love. What does your spouse call you? What term of endearment? 312-274-9624. One of my right-hand men, Ajit Christopher, mm-hmm. he calls his wife lovey. Oh, that's and cute. she calls that. him Lovey. Oh, that's sweet. And they walk around the, the lobby, Lovey, Lovey. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. I tease him. I'm that's, like, hey, Lovey, what time are we meeting tomorrow, you know, Lovey? I, I you feel tell like him those to keep kind that. of like terms of endearment, <laughs> I feel like they always feel weird using them when other people are around. That's fair. I feel like those are like, we're, we're, it's just us in the house. And we're, but I feel like when other people are around, I'm not so big on the term of endearment when other well, people are around. Well, Boothang and Young Tender, those are definitely, those are terms well, he, of endearment. But because Henry is who he is, he definitely uses those when other people are around. But I good. It's, it's strange. Oh, I am. I, it usually gets. Let me tell you something. It usually gets a good laugh out of people. Let because. me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me brag on Henry for a moment here. When I call this guy and I'm affirming him, he's getting ready to preach or just, he is one of the most gracious big God guys I've ever met. He is, he is more than a man that talks about the glory of God and the goodness of God. He, he reeks of it. I mean, he really does. He's, I'm he's a good, he's a tremendous guy. And the fact that he uses your nicknames in public oh, yeah. thrills my soul. Henry, do it more and more. All right, what are those nicknames that are well, coming in here? These are really fun. We've got your basic sweetie, but then we've got Raleigh, which rhymes with Dolly, Honey Bun, <laughs> giblet, Honey Bun, Giblets, or, Her Royal Hotness. Someone said Kiwi, <laughs> Babe, or Baby Cake, Scout, Sparky, Sugar. Hold on, go back to that one. Her Royal Hotness. There is no way this guy's using this. Uh, no, totally. Maybe he is. you think he is? Yeah, that's really funny, actually. Uh- all of this is within the context of an amazing, loving marriage. I think that's sweet. Her royal hotness. That is actually outstanding. I call my wife pretty lady. She calls me handsome. Oh, oh. This is great. Keep it coming. 312-274-9624. Sparky is this. 
Sparky's a good one. Sparky is fun. Oh, I don't know why these are cracking me up. Because it's out of context. Schnooks. Schnooks. All right, keep them coming in. Term of endearment you use for your spouse or they use for you. 312-274-9624. Too good. I might have some new ones here. Not for the team, of course. The craziest carpool in Chicagoland. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. I'm telling you, I don't know that we've had this much response. Oh, I had no clue there were this many nicknames out there for a spouse. Waterbug, Kit Kat, and Sugarfoot. Panda Bear. Oh, boy. Sweetie. Rat Babe. What? Rat Babe. (laughs) Huh. I don't know about that one. Oh, my goodness. I mean, maybe if you really like them. Huckleberry. Huckleberry. (laughs) Is his name Finn? Buzzy. (laughs) Buzzy Buzzy is kiss in Polish. Oh, cuppy, cuppy cake. Cuppy cake. Wifey. Not wifey. Wifey. Wait, is it not wifey? No. Wi-Fi? No, it's not <laughs> Wi-Fi. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Poppy bear, sugar plum, bunny. I call her bunny. All right. <laughs> got a lot, this got is... a lot of these coming in here. Googly bear. Beef and bean. Dream girl, who who. dream girl, that guy's got some points going right there. Hey, you call, you come home. Hey, dream girl, what's going on? That's a great line. Pal, button, boo boo. Well, <laughs> Pookie. This is and Israel. Oh no, that's, that's a link that's for something else. <laughs> Different thing. Oh, some of these are outstanding. Oh, Mufasa, I call my husband. Like Mufasa. the Lion King? <laughs> Mufasa or Big Daddy. That is awesome. Every dude wants to be called Mufasa for sure. I'm just, all I can think in my mind is, ah, <laughs> Come go again. Do it again, Allie. No, that was it. Oh, that come on. It. If you've watched The Lion King. Then you know. You come know. on, give me one no, more. No, that's all I got. Oh, but Mufasa, that's it. all I can think of. I do have the, the audio Lion now. Clip King it music. It. All right, coming up, minute and a half. I don't know where we're going here. Off the edge, apparently. Hang on. No energy? No problem. We have all the energy you need and more. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. You're my honey bun, sugar plum, pumpy umby umpkin. You're my sweetie pie. You're my cuppy cake gumdrops, nickums, buckums. You're the <laughs> apple of my eye. What in the cat hair is I this? I love you so, and I want you to know that I'll always be right here. <laughs> and I love to sing three songs to you because... You are so dear. What, 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 where does that come from? <laughs> it's an old meme it's that really used to be a thing. And as soon as we started going in on all these that, husband-wife nicknames, <laughs> it was the first thing I thought of. I was like, oh, I have to. So worked oh, out. Uh, I call my wife love Buck. His wife calls him Buck. No, the guy's no, wife. No. husband calls the, the wife. husband calls the wife Buck. Oh. She says, oh. that's for me, the wife. Buck. Another wow. another gal calls her husband cowboy. That's great. Honey He's, bunches of oats. Honey bunches of oats. That's a long one. I like that one. Honey bunches of oats. I'm home. You can shorten it with honey bunches. Honey bunches of home. Oh, my name is Kathy. My husband calls me Kaffer or Captain Kafferoo. <laughs> Captain Kaffer. Kafferoo. How about how about this one, Winky Bear? Hey, Winky Bear! (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny how these things said by somebody else sound so odd, but seem are so normal in the context of your marriage, of your home. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Anybody else says them? And to your children. I like this one. The wife calls the husband good thing because the Bible says he who finds a wife is a good thing. Oh. Oh. Now that's awesome. It is good thing. How's it going? Good thing. This is good. Yeah, these are great. Wow. Okay, coming up, minute and a half, two minutes here. We're going to get into it. Um, look, we see what's going on in Israel, and we've got to remember this, that there is going to be kind of runs at peace that are going to happen over and over again. It's been happening for thousands of years. Come on. Yeah. We have times of peace and then times of massive conflict, and here's what we need to know. Until the Prince of Peace comes, there is no peace, but boy, is there deception. 
everywhere. I'm going to try to sneak this in, and we'll see where God goes with it here. You know, recently, I brought on a few staff, and it is so cool, Allie. These guys are so godly. I just, there's nothing like having broken, humble dudes. And when I'm at these meetings, and I see all of them are leaders in their own right, strong leaders, and I see them humbly deferring to one another and going, okay, yeah, that idea isn't great. How about this? What about, oh, yeah. And I walked into a meeting the other day, and it was in a Starbucks. And I got done with radio and everything here. It's the afternoon. And I see four, four of these guys, and I see all of them, hands are moving in the air. They're wow. like, hands are moving, and they're pointing out, and they're raising them in the air, and they're just animated. And I'm like, now this is a staff. I said, <laughs> from the outside, I'm looking in, and it looked like you guys are directing traffic. You're so animated talking about what God's doing and oh, what we got to do. That's awesome. It's one of the coolest things. But one of the things that we've been working on is, you know, as we think about the church, what are some of the biggest challenges we have? I mean, let's just boil it down. Because until you can identify the challenges, you may be solving a problem that isn't one of the root issues. Mm -hmm. And until you get at the root issues, you're only treating symptoms. So I'm going to break it down for you. We'll get at these. By the end of the week, we'll get her done. But I'm going to take a little toe in the water here on this next one, and we'll see where we go from here. What's one of the biggest challenges we face in the church today? One of the biggest. We'll have that for you straight in. Your spiritual pit stop to keep you going in the race. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Okay, what do we know about Satan? What are his tactics? What's he want to do in this world today? What's he want to do? Uh, steal. Steal. Kill. Destroy. I think he wants to. I think he wants to either keep people from seeing Jesus, right? Keep their hearts hard, yep. or if they know Jesus, he wants to keep them as ineffective as possible. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, let's put those in key words. What are some of the big one word things that Satan is trying to do? Accuse. Accuse. That's huge. Absolutely. And wouldn't you say deceive? Deceive. Deceive. Yeah. I think deception is one of the biggest things going. <clears throat> deception is something, by the way, and we need to be careful with deception because we can be self deceived, be not deceived. God is not mocked. What do we find? Where do we find that? That's 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And it's that if whatever you sow, you will reap. Right. So we can be self-deceived. But we can be self-deceived, and you put that together with the lethal deception of Satan himself. Ooh, man, that's a recipe for disaster. Let me give you what I believe is the biggest challenge that the church in America faces today. I think there's three humongous challenges that are central to closing the gap between where Christians are today or where some people think they are Christians, but they are not, and taking hold of God's promises. Here's the first challenge I want to give you. For some of you, this won't be new, but I want to lay it down in bedrock right now. Challenge number one, many people suffer from an illusion of salvation, thinking they know Jesus but don't and will spend eternity separated from God. I think that's our biggest challenge in the American church today. I do. Biggest one. No question in my mind. You say, well, Carl, how do you know that that's a challenge? Well, I'm going to ask the team to kind of kick in here, but, you know, we've been featuring Young Thunder's story a lot here, mm -hmm. that he was... Raised in the church, pastor for a dad, went to Bible college, graduated with a degree, married a godly woman, and then he was born again. Mm -hmm. And you might go, how does that happen? Happens all the time, guys. It does. The amount of people. I, I'm that story. You know what it gets clouded by? The fact that I was a cocaine addict. Sure. And the fact that I was a crown royal addict. You want the real truth? I had an illusion of salvation. Mm -hmm. That let's boy, let's get yeah. really clear here. It's real. The, that was a problem for me. You know, we hear a lot of testimonies and it's amazing how many people have a testimony that kind of goes, I was raised in the church. I knew Jesus from an early age, but then, and then they'll use language like, but it kind of became real to me when I was 
such and such age. And that's not to say that people people can get genuinely me. I mean, they faith, can. faith like a child. So yeah. clearly the gospel message can be understood clearly and accepted by a young child. No so question. those testimonies are real. But what often happens is we think we have something because we were raised in a Christian home. We were raised in a church. Uh, we did religious things. And then some point along the way, it become, but that becoming real to us is actually us taking hold of the gospel for the first time. Yeah. And it's everywhere. Allie, you were that. Yeah. I was that. Super die raised Greek Orthodox, but she was that. We were many people in the Western church suffer from an illusion of salvation. And by the way, Allie's right on. I want to be super clear. Is it possible for someone to surrender their life to Jesus at the age of five, let's say, and truck with Jesus just in that struggle of sanctification, but genuinely being born again? And the answer is absolutely. But let me, let me be clear with you as a pastor right now. I think the greater danger in American Christianity due to lack of persecution that really puts our faith under fire, mm -hmm. due to an American dream that often gets confused with God's dream for us. Yeah. We kind of don't know where to discern the difference. And boy, there's a big one. I think that what Jesus said in Matthew 7 is right, and I'm going to read it to you. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And by the way, what was the will of Father who is in heaven? That's a great question. It's to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and submit ourselves to the leadership of his son, Jesus Christ. That is his will. Be sanctified in Christ Jesus. On that day, Jesus goes on to say, many. That's a tough term, isn't it? Yeah, many. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord. Now listen to this. Did we not prophesy in your name? Cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, we talk, we talk this passage here all the time. But that is, to me, in my estimation, the gravest challenge in the American church today. You might say, well, Carl, how, how do you know this to be true? One of the most anecdotal, and all I have is anecdotal things and great guys out there like Louis Giglio and John Piper who went to a big uh, passion rally in Atlanta. And Louis Giglio, I think it was, who got up there and he said, there are millions and millions of people in America that go to Bible preaching, gospel preaching churches every weekend who think they are born again, but they are not. Hmm. Now, I didn't invent that. I didn't, I'm not seeing that. Jesus is saying that. It's possible to say, to proclaim Jesus' name, to be involved in spiritual warfare, and to be involved in dynamic ministry and not be born again. How do I know that? I was in that. I claim the name of Jesus. I remember going to youth group talking about spiritual warfare, and I remember going on a couple of phenomenal outings for great ministry events. I did. Helped charter a plane from Alaska for a bunch of students to go listen to Josh McDowell in Seattle. Was I born again? No, I had the same thing Young Thunder had going on. I had an illusion of salvation. I thought I knew Jesus, but I didn't. Now, some of you go, well, there you go again, Carl, freaking me out again. There's no reason to be freaked out. But it would be spiritual malpractice if I did not share this with you as I believe the greatest challenge in the church today. So you mean to tell me, Carl, you think that churches have a lot of people in them from week to week who don't know Jesus? I absolutely do. I absolutely do. And you know who the testimonies are out there that are saying yes are those that were doing that for a lot of years. A lot of years. And we don't need to freak out. There's nine ways to know you stand with God and he stands with you. This blog, every time we talk about Matthew 7, we follow it up with this blog. Yeah, yeah we don't want to leave you hanging. Just text the word STAND to 312-274-9624. Text STAND to 312-274-9624.
you got a heart thing to share. Yeah, I think because you said it here that, you know, don't be freaked out if this is something that you have to ask the question for. I yeah. think that's that in itself is a deception of Satan that this is one of the scariest things out there. Uh, it doesn't have to be because if you look at this article, you come out with two answers. You come out with one of two answers. You say, I, okay, I do know Jesus. I am saved. I am in him. And I might need to grow up. And I might I'm need to him. grow, but I'm right. in him. Or you say, you know what? I thought I, I was standing with Jesus. I wasn't. And then you surrender to him. Yeah. And it, it really is as simple as that. Once the realization comes that, oh my goodness, I haven't been standing with Jesus. You then just surrender to him. That was my mistake. It took me years to get to that point. But it really is as simple as that. It is not something that you have to be afraid no. of. Satan is telling you this is, this is too scary. This is too much. Don't confront it. But allow the truth of Jesus to fill you and give you the clear answer and then act accordingly. Yeah, that's Good. so well put. Yeah. Coming up in a moment, there is one, one thing and one thing alone that can prevent you from being honest to God today. And we're going to break that down. And you know who's best at it? Jonathan. We're going to break it down. We're going to break it down. What can prevent you from asking this soul-searching tough question of, do I really know Jesus? Don't just keep it to yourself. Give what you've heard to a friend with the Carl and Crew Showcast. Just go to carlandcrew.org. Okay, where are we at here? I want to break it down. We're talking today, we're taking our toe into the water of what I consider to be the three greatest challenges facing the church today, that if we identify them, we're going to be able to give solutions that matter here. And this is important because sometimes we're answering questions that are kind of B-level questions. Sure. It's like, okay, how do you use your spiritual gifts? I'm not, right. I'm not necessarily calling that B-level, but sure. with regard to the hierarchy of like salvation, mm -hmm. sanctification, you know, some of this stuff is more whipped cream on the top. I mean, let, wouldn't we all agree? Yeah. yeah. Let's make sure we're getting people a clear presentation of the gospel so that yeah. they can know whether or not they've been deceived or not. Sure. First thing. So let me break it down. And then I got a question for you and young thunder and Allie can answer this powerfully. Challenge number one facing the church today. I believe this wholeheartedly. Many people suffer from an illusion of salvation thinking they know Jesus, but don't and will spend eternity separated from God. You hear this in words like, Oh, we're all children of God. No, we're not. We're born children of the devil. Only a relationship with Jesus makes you a child of God. Correct. Period. Full stop. But when we think about this illusion of salvation, there is one thing that prevents us more than anything else from being honest to God about this. And what is that one thing? We haven't even talked about it. What is it? The one thing is the fear of what people are going to think of you. Boom. If you were to acknowledge this reality that you were being deceived and that you weren't saved and that you're coming to faith now, it's Huge. the fear. Yeah. It's the fear. And pride is par a pride part pride of Pride is, here's what I'd say. I did a message one time and I had a kegger on a stool, empty keg, but a kegger, a big keg. Sure. And that represented kind of blatant, overt pride. And we've yeah. all seen those kind of guys, and maybe we've been that ourselves at time, guys or gals, that's just like, oh my goodness, this person reeks of pride. There's a more subtle, dangerous pride, and I put a shot glass up on a, on a stool on the other side of this big stage, and I said, here's, here's the more dangerous pride. You're intoxicated with pride, but you're just taking it a shot at a time. Yeah. And people can't see it as much, but it's mm -hmm. there. This is pride. Absolutely. The inability to face the fact that people... Uh, what are people going to say? That's self-protection. Oh, it is. I cared because for me, I mean, like, I, you know, I had mentioned that this is what kept me from changing for two years was what are people going to what think? are people going to think of me? I, you know, I was born into a Christian family. My dad was a pastor. I was baptized as a kid. I am getting <laughs> ready to marry a godly woman. 
Uh, oh, that's right. You weren't married yet when you came a, to this. Well, when I when I was battling, I was okay. married already when I came, but I was yeah, yeah, in, yeah. I was engaged and almost married while some of this was happening. That must have been turmoil. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was and horrible. then keep going. I don't and, want to catch you. Up. No, it's okay. I graduated from Moody Bible Institute with a degree with forty hours of Bible classes. You know that I got good grades in, and I <laughs> and I uh, you know I was working at Moody Radio where yeah. I was sharing the gospel and the truth of Jesus with people. And so my mind was flooded with what are people going to think of me? What, you know, th- when how they am I going to tell out my I've wife? I've never fully surrendered to Jesus yeah, until now. Absolutely. So then, you know, it was a lot of, no, you know what? This voice in my head telling me that I'm not saved is the deception. You know, the, it, it, that, that's not the real thing. The real deception is the conviction the real, is what you were saying. Yeah, I was telling myself that the, the real deception was the voice, which was God, telling me that I wasn't saved. The, the way I know now that wasn't the deception was because that voice was bringing me closer to God. Ooh. The voice telling me, no, you're comfortable, you're safe, you're good, was the one that was keeping me farther away from him. And causing more pain and, and turmoil. And causing more pain and turmoil Ooh. in my heart. Man, this is powerful. Wow. This is powerful. Yeah. And and so, I mean, if I kept comfortable, I would have been an ineffective husband. I would have been an ineffective uh, Moody Radio employee. I would have been an ineffective church member and church goer. Uh, I mean, that's what Satan wanted. The battle's still there because you get your cup bumped constantly by Satan. All going, the time. Don't share that, man. That's that's kind of embarrassing. All the time. And sometimes, you know and, yeah. and sometimes still, you know, the, the voice of confusion tries to get in my head of, you know, where are you really at now? And now it's like, oh. you know, the, the voice kind of changes where it's ineffective, like it trying to make me ineffective of like pausing me in fear of like, oh, my goodness, where was the decision? When was the decision made? <laughs> was that decision real? And, it, you know, it, like all of these things, yeah. you know, Satan changes his voice based off of what he sees in you. Yeah. Uh, and so. So the voice has changed and it's moved and it's flowed, but I have to keep my eyes on Jesus uh, and and what he has brought me through. Beautiful. Young Thunder, thank you. That's something, Allie. Yeah. This resource is, I think, is really going to be a blessing to you. Uh, just text the word STAND. It's nine ways to know you stand with God. He stands with you. If this is something that you're going... I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I don't know what to make of this. This is going to help. Text stand to 312-274-9624. And as Jonathan said earlier, you don't have to be freaked out by this because no. you read this and go, okay, I have some, assur- some assurance that I'm, that I'm in Christ. Or you go, I think I've been deceived. You either land one of those two places. And if you land in the place of being deceived, you don't have to stay there. Like your eyes, when your eyes are open to the truth, you can surrender to him right then. And I think it's important to say, and I think I know you would agree, Allie, that at that point where you go, I'm not saved. I'm not born again. I've had knowledge of Jesus, but I've never fully surrendered and repented and given my life to him. At that point, that pride piece is going to get inserted like a wedge in a picking tree. Yeah. And he's going to try to keep you from making that all-important Really, it's not even a decision. It's an embracement and an agreement with God. God, I need your grace right now. Mm-hmm. Coming up in a couple of minutes, we're going to get to the very clear solution and a central passage for it because it all revolves around repentant faith in Christ. Because belief in Jesus, the demons have. They aren't saved. But repentant faith can change anyone. Again, take a look at this blog. Text the word STAND to 312-274-9624. Text STAND to 312-274-9624. Nine ways to know you stand with God and, what's better, that he stands with you. Whether it's number one or 100, take that step with Jesus today. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Even the solution is a gift from God. All right, let me break it down here quickly. Challenge number one that we face in the church today, and I just got done doing it. We're starting a discovery series. In week one, I went through three challenges 
with three solutions. And from my heart to yours, I'm convinced of this. This is the biggest challenge in the church today. Then we, the other two are fun. You're going to love them, guys, I promise you. Number one, many people suffer from an illusion of salvation, thinking they know Jesus but don't, and will spend eternity separated from God. And we find this in Matthew 7. We've covered this ground that many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, and he's going to say, I never knew you. They prophesied in Jesus' name, cast out demons in his name, and did mighty works in his name. And here's all I want you to know is that in American Christianity today, if there's a group of people that suffers from a Matthew 7 deception, it is us. No question. Why? We almost supplant the American dream for God's dream, and they become these interchangeable weird things. It's hard to discern what's going on here. We have very little persecution relative to the rest of the world to really kind of sort out the wheat from the chaff. And we have a predominantly Christian culture in yes. terms of, and that's fading quickly, but m many, many people were raised in church going to church in some capacity. And so it's this murky ground of, well, yeah, I went to church and I went to Sunday school and I've done some religious things that it be, makes it kind of unclear to people. Boom. You're spot on, Allie. So the solution, and by the way, let me say this. One of the things that gets in the way of that hard why in the road when Jesus says to you, man, you might've been in church a long time, an elder, a pastor, a pastor's wife, a leader, a fourth grade teacher. I mean, the list goes on and on but you never knew me, and I want you to know me today. The one thing that becomes a sticking point when we face that is what will people think, and you know what that is? That's a shot glass of pride, and you just got to repent of that and go lower still. Yeah. You just can't let that be a sticking point. So what is the solution? Here's the way I capture it in a sentence. Repentant faith in Christ will be rewarded by you being filled with the Holy Spirit and provided all the necessary power to be Christ's disciple. Now, I say repentant faith in Christ. Why do I say that? Because belief in Jesus is something demons possess, according to James chapter 3. So we don't want a demonic belief in Jesus, which is merely intellectual assent, aware that he's there. We don't want this big sky, big God, big guy in the sky kind of mentality. Yeah. No, no, no. This has got to be a living, breathing, born again experience. Now, let me give you a passage of scripture and then explain something that can get a little bit dicey. In Acts 2.38, Peter spoke and he said this, when they were cut to the heart. Notice here, by the way, the context here is 36 and 37. They were pierced to the heart. That's conviction. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What a promise. Wow. You can't ignore a couple of things here. Number one, repentance is fundamental in authentic faith. Repentance means turning around, leaving the broad path, turning on to the narrow path. Belief in Jesus that results, guys, in humble repentance is the only belief that saves your soul. I, I gotta be, I'm gonna say it again. Belief in Jesus that results in humble repentance is the only belief that saves your soul. As you're raising children, you never want to talk them into something that they may not have. Belief in Jesus, a lot of people say, do you believe? Not a good question until we parse that word belief and go, well, what's really going on here? And if you look at the compendium of Jesus' teaching, there is a soul transformation that begins with the quickening of the Holy Spirit that convicts us of our sin yeah. and a need for a Savior. And this is what keeps people from the kingdom of God in the arms of God, is they've got an intellectual belief, but they've never experienced the transformation of their soul that comes through humble repentance. And let me be clear. A lot of people have looked at Acts 2.38 and said, repent and be baptized. They see baptism as a condition of salvation. Wrong. Even faith 
is a gift from God so that no one can boast, let alone baptism. Baptism would have been huge. Why would have it been huge for Peter's audience? Day of Pentecost, that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. They are with a bunch of Jewish people. Maybe 200,000 were there, maybe a quarter million. They would have known what it is to get wet in a mikvah. But what he was saying, when you go under the water, not because you're going through a ritualistic cleanse, <laughs> cleansing, but because you're going through a declaration of a soul cleansing, that's when we're going to know you're the real deal. Yeah. He was talking to an audience that they went into mikvahs all the time. Yeah. No, but going underwater in the name of Jesus, that would have been heresy. Yeah. To the Jews then. I was going to say with, you know, with baptism, it's a great thing, you know, when you're in the community of Christ to have it be celebrated uh, baptism here uh, when we are baptized. But then, like you said, the majority of people there were not getting baptized. And no. and so it was not largely celebrated by the crowd that was watching all these people. And you, so you were, you were killed for it. You were making a declaration. Yeah. And that was a hefty declaration to make. Yeah. And this is why. Uh, this is why the the reality of the born again experience is that there's going to be things that we now do in Christ Jesus that might not win a lot of fans and influence people. Mm -hmm. Might not, but it's okay. Okay. The question is, do you know where you stand with God and does he stand with you? Text the word stand. We've got a resource for you. Stand, S-T-A-N-D to 312 274 9624. Just text the word stand to 312 274 9624. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew as we help you take your next step with Jesus. You're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.